You're listening to the Scaling Culture Podcast, where we sit down with thought leaders who share their experiences building incredible workplace cultures. Michael Salome is Chief People Officer for a 3D e-commerce company, the ultimate 3D printing store. Today, we talk about employee versus leader mentality, using tech to drive results, and the importance of explaining how the business works financially to a new person joining the company and how their role participates in that. We believe Michael's advice on that is something every company should have in their onboarding process, and we certainly immediately added it to ours. Welcome to another episode of the Scaling Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Lovett, and I'm very excited to have Michael Salome with us today. Michael, how are you? Good, thanks. I'm glad to be here. It's, uh, it's exciting to be on the show. Yeah, absolutely. And now you've got a new home because last time we talked, you were working uh, for T-Mobile. Yeah, correct. Uh, and and uh, I went uh, back into independent consulting, which is usually what I do uh, in, in between um, gigs. And uh, uh, and then I got uh, recruited to my new position as uh, chief people officer at uh, Ultimate 3D Printing Store. Uh, so yeah, new home, uh, brand new company scaling up, uh, which is kind of my, my forte. So, uh, you know, here I go again. <laughs> yeah. So, so new challenges, new chapter, exciting time, right? Tell, tell, tell me a little about, and for, for the listeners, what, tell us a little about ultimate 3d printing. I don't know the business. Oh, sure. So, uh, well, mainly we're in, uh, we're a e-commerce retailer, but, uh, we're one of the, um, one of the the biggest ones in uh, in North America as far as 3D printing goes. 3D printing, which is also known as additive manufacturing, uh, is probably one of the top three hottest new technologies uh, right now. You know, you have AI and cybersecurity and then additive manufacturing, which is 3D printing. And uh, it is amazing technology. Um, I've seen everything um, printed from, you know, uh, uh, arms for amputees to, uh, ornaments made of sugar 3d printed uh you know that that are edible uh, i mean it's it's just incredible stuff um so so, so yep go ahead i was just gonna say i'm curious um you know and i'm sure you've seen this is you know different spaces when i say spaces industries have different cultures you know the the, the construction industry has a culture you know old school culture tech industry has a culture what was it like going from t-mobile to 3d printing and what was that is it more like a tech culture what are you seeing uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, it, it's kind of a blend of a, of a tech culture and, and maybe something more like a, a logistics warehousing culture. So, uh, you do have a bunch of, of engineers and, and people who can, you know, use words with, you know, more syllables than you knew existed. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then you, you know, you also have people who are just passionate about the technology and, uh, you know, everything from, you know, kids barely out of high school who are just so excited about the, uh, you know, begging for internships. They're just so excited about the technology in the field and uh, and pretty much everything in between. It's definitely a unique culture that's, uh, you know, kind of very science oriented, but also has a lot of, um, there's just tremendous passion. I've seen passion before, but I've never seen it like I've seen it in this industry. I mean, people are here because they love it. They're excited about it. And, and they just, they want to do something in this space. Oh, that's it's exciting. Very- yeah. And I mentioned earlier, um, before we jumped on, that in our last conversation, you mentioned, and I love this, and, and thank you for this, because I think this is a blind spot. It was certainly was for me and my businesses today in the past. And so, and, and I think it is for a lot of people, but during the onboarding process, 
uh, explaining how the financial piece, how the finances of the business works and how the employee participates. We miss that. Like that, that was, that was gold, my friend. Tell us more about that. What's your experience with that? Yeah. So to, to me, it is essential that especially new team members understand how the company works, where does the money come from? What is their part in that? And, and how do they affect the outcome? So uh, during onboarding, um, what I'm kind of apt to do is, uh, is pull every team member aside. And I usually start with, you know, the organizational chart and explain how it works. And then I usually flip it upside down. So I explain how it really works because, you know, the, the, typically the people on the bottom are of the org chart, so to speak, are the ones who are doing the actual running of the business. You know, once you start getting up to the uh, executive team, you're strategizing and, and you're mapping and you're uh, thinking through things, but you, you're not actually hands-on anymore. Uh, so it's important for them to understand, well, when a customer starts uh, the process, a customer buys something, what are the steps from um, customer to bank account to back to customer? So uh, I always walk them through new hires through, uh, you know, a customer buy something and it goes to that order goes to whichever team, uh, you know, if it's manufacturing or something, it would go to the operations team or the sales team who would then send it to the operations team who then reviews it, sends it to the inventory team, the inventory team sends it to a the uh, logistics team who ships it out using a third-party uh, provider who we also pay. And then, you know, that third-party provider gets the product to the customer's door and, you know, kind of just explaining the cycle of how this works and then showing them where they are in that process, not only where they are in the process, but also showing, you know, what their importance is in that role. What happens if they don't perform with excellence in their little spot and how crucial that is to this whole chain of events. Uh, and then we always take it a step further and explain, okay, here are the three biggest mistakes you can make in this position. These are the mistakes that will cost the company money or a customer or possibly your job. Uh, so these are the three biggest things that you should avoid. And then this is how to avoid those three things. Uh, and we always just pick the, the top three because, you know, generally, if you can avoid the three biggest mistakes, uh, you're going to be relatively fine throughout the rest. There's tons of minor mistakes that people make every day. And that's, you know, that's fine. Nothing's going to sink the business. But uh, knowing the, the three mistakes that can cost you your job or the number one mistake or whatever that is and how to avoid it actually shows employees what success looks like. And it sets them up for success right from the start. So they know going into it, uh, you know, this is what a good job looks like. And this is why it's important. And this is how the company makes money based on that. So that's where I start. <laughs> Look, I love that. And you, you answered a question I was going to ask, which is, is how do you do it? And originally, I didn't know if you were going to say, you know, we sit down with them and run through the P&L. You know, it's super simple. This is visual yeah. to me. Here's the the customer pays, you know, we, or we pay to acquire the customer, whatever that journey looks like, cost, revenue, and how we execute the service, and then where they live in the process, what a great outcome looks like, and what are some of the, the three biggest mistakes that are made in that space, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, I, I fundamentally believe that nobody wakes up in the morning going, man, how can I screw up today? <laughs> like, there's no employee that wakes up just wondering how they could uh, get in trouble or sink the company or, you know, just, you know, do do harm to the to the job or their career. So 
uh, it's important for them to, to understand, well, okay, this is how you never have to worry about that right, right. from day one. And can you, um, do you have any examples in whether it's a data point or increase in revenue or productivity, what was the outcome when you, you know, the before and after that it had to be huge. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so at uh, one company that I uh, consulted for and, and eventually worked for, uh, they were a software mapping company out of uh, Tampa uh, called ID Plans. And uh, before I came on, their customer service retention rate and quality metrics were, I mean, they were tanked. Um, generally between uh, uh, 40 to 60% was our, our um quality uh, control metrics. After we implemented the onboarding process, identified the uh, top three mistakes, which was a process in and of itself, we had to actually start with defining what a result is. Um, and then from there, you know, working it down to, well, this is what we consider the top three mistakes. Uh, and then after we, uh, after we did that, um, we did put it all together for the employees and then, uh, and then show them that. So the, uh, the end result was, uh, um, uh, customer quality metrics upwards of uh, 85 to 90 percent and above wow uh, and they remain there to this day as far as i as far as i know home run <laughs> home run yeah, absolutely that is that's excellent i i love that and uh, you know I, I was so excited when you originally mentioned we didn't dive deep into the topic i, I made a bunch of notes we we're going to execute even i love the three biggest mistakes just keeping it simple because you know this is a great example of <clears throat> when a company scales and say someone's wanting to go down that road that they probably the natural thing is to we need to train everybody on the PL. forget it too mm -hmm. complex this is a great example of how do you simplify things you know to add value to your business and individuals and you've certainly done that and figure that out good good for you and i think the more companies that add that to onboarding or training um uh, will win yeah absolutely um, you also, uh, I've got a topic here, employee versus leader mentality. Tell me more about that. Sure. So uh, this is actually part of the, uh, the same onboarding process. And then, uh, we, we have a special, um, training for first time managers, um, that I've, I've conducted, uh, you know, many, many, many times in my career. And, uh, one of the things that, uh, that I, I always discover is that, uh, employees generally don't fundamentally understand the shift between employee mentality and leader mentality. So uh, what I mean by that is uh, an employee sees the work. So uh, you have a first time manager who has an opportunity to promote one of their direct reports. And, and someone with that employee mentality will come from that problem from the standpoint of, oh man, if I promote you know, Judy, uh, to manager, then uh, number one, she's going to be at my level and then she's not going to answer to me. Number two, I'm going to have to find her replacement. Number three, she's my best performer. Now I got a hole there. And then they, they just will say, well, I can't promote her. I can't do it, which is that's the employee mentality. It's kind of like 90% me, 10% company. Right. When you when you shift to leadership mentality, a leadership. So an employee sees the work, a leader sees the reward. The leader comes from that a, a little bit differently. They think, wow, Judy is doing great. If I don't promote her, I would be robbing the company of another great leader, which would make my life easier you know, down the road. And I would be robbing her of the opportunity for growth, you know, as, as a person, like I couldn't possibly do that. She's my best performer. I want to see how much further she can go. So it's not 90% me, 10% company. It's more like 60% me, 
20% company, 20% stakeholders. And the stakeholders, a good leader understands, are all the stakeholders, you know, the employees, the customer, the shareholders, the community in which you operate, like they're all the stakeholders. So a good leader sees the end result that, you know, an employee sees the work and a leader sees the reward. And uh, once they get that, that shift, uh, amazing things happen. So how do we make the shift? Because that sounds like a belief. That sounds like a big shift. What are some of the best, you know, what's the process look like? How do, how do you get someone from A to B on that? Sure. So it's, uh, it's fundamentally conversations, right? Like, you know, we have a lot of coaching conversations and where I always like to start, and this is me uh, just as a, as a person, I always like to make sure that I'm talking a common language with whoever I'm, I'm speaking to. So you know, I've probably read, I don't know, a thousand books on leadership, probably more, uh, you know, over, over a 30 year career. But uh, in that time, I, I very rarely see anybody actually define what leadership means at the start of the book. You know, what do you mean when you're talking about leadership? So, uh, and, you know, there's lots of pithy quotes out there, uh, you know, leader versus manager sort of thing. Um, but uh, I like to really dive deep into those definitions. So when I um, start with a, a manager for the first time uh, and, and transition them to leader, I let them know a few things. Number one, we define leadership. And, and the way we typically define it is, uh, it's pretty long, but it's, it's, uh, it's very specific. A leader is someone who uh, sees the value in themselves and, and acknowledges it such that they bring it out in others so that they see the value in themselves and acknowledge it and then share it further. Uh, so it's, it's very important. And the very base of that is understanding that you have power and that you have value. Uh, you know, and there's, um, I, I love John Maxwell and, uh, and, and uh, Simon Sinek and, and all the other uh, pop culture leadership authors out there. But, and, and I understand what they mean when they talk about a servant leader but I challenge that a little bit to say, like, you know, I, I get what you mean. You, you mean don't be a jerk. And, and that's super fun. That's super important. And, and, uh, and it's super you know, important to understand that. But you really want people to understand that ego is not a bad thing. It doesn't there's nothing wrong with having an ego. It's, it's what you do with it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and they have to understand that they have value first, and then they have to bring that value out in others. They have to see it in someone else and bring it forward, and then they have to spread that further. Well, one of the most interesting things about this is, is I think that, and this is another kind of aha moment, is if I'm hearing correctly, it's important for the company and their belief system on what a leader is to to, to explain that to everybody else, because everyone, this is a very broad word. And, and I don't know if you, did you read uh, nine lies, uh, Marcus Buckingham and Ashley Goodall? I have not. Oh, Sounds great. good though. Already. Great. I like that. Yeah, I like read the, title. the book. <laughs> yeah. It's excellent. And it certainly challenges conventional thinking. And we've had Ashley on the, the show. He, he was excellent, but they said that, that what the, one of the lies that they impact, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. They said, leadership's not a thing. It's BS. It's not a thing. They said, People fall spikiness. If you're a great chess player who's a complete introvert, people follow you. If you're, you know, Donald Trump's a different leader than Joe Biden, and people follow both, and they have very different characteristics. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, 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 I already love this book. I, I, I'm guessing it's going to be in one of my top ten. But uh, it's great. Uh, 
Yeah. So actually that, that really goes back to what I was saying about, you know, the power of words and of language. Um, so one of the, 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 the core things that I think people miss about leadership is, is exactly what, what you just said, that it's not a thing. It's not, you know, you can't go and buy leadership. Uh, but there are examples of great leaders, good and bad. Uh, John F. Kennedy was, you know, fantastic. But Osama bin Laden was also a, you know, a leader. I mean, I I do not know what you could say to somebody that would make them think it's a good idea to get on a plane and and crash right. it into a building. I don't know what those words are, and I don't have that level of charisma. But he did. And, yeah, he you know, had Hitler some spikiness, did. and people followed. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, and, and there's something to be said, uh, you know, kind of going back to that, that ego thing, you know, when you look at great leaders and, you know, uh, on good or bad side, I, I mean, you know, you've got, you've got Gandhi, right? Like he was, you know, one of the leading peace activists in the world, a legend in and of his own time. But ultimately this was, this was just one guy, one guy who stood up against the entire rest of the world and said, no, you're wrong. This is the right way. And this is, one guy standing up against you, you you've got the, the the entire British army, you've got jets, helicopters, infantry, tanks, everybody. And, and you know, on one side, you've got all of that. On the other side, you have like a skinny white guy in a diaper, right? Right, <laughs> I mean, right. You know, I mean, that takes ego. Like that's- Well, you know, it's interesting because it does, as, as we're talking, you know, it's also, that's, that's to Marcus and Ashley's, um, you know, definition, that's his spikiness was go against the grain. Cur courage in this case is the spike, you know? Yep. But, but I think there's something here that, that because um, they're not saying that what you're talking about isn't leadership, but, but I think that what I'm hearing and I think what makes sense is defining as the leader of the organization or as, as an organization, what does leadership really mean mm -hmm. for our organization, for our, you know, because maybe it means command and control. We want you to, this is, you know, start a part of the military. And when we tell people, we want you to be able to hold the line when we tell you, you know, when you give a direct order, people follow versus servant leadership, uh, as you hear people like Simon Sinek talk about, and is a very different type. It has a different spikiness, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you've said, look, there is ambiguity here and confusion. Let me define through, for this organization what leadership means. I think that's a huge um, piece. It, it's, it's funny. We had a guest on, Renata, um, from uh, Home Credit. And at a Czech Republic, she was our last guest that we pushed out, um, I think it was this week. And it was a great episode. And she had some, some incredible stuff uh, on there and, and some incredible one-liners. And, you know, she just talked about the difference of, you know, it used to be that command and control was bravery. Now vulnerability is bravery. You know, like there's these shifts in how we lead. And, and oh, sorry, I know what I was going to say. She, she also, I believe it was her who talked about the most um, you know, untrained skill in organizations is listening. We take it for granted. And I put this leadership thing in that, like it's taken for granted. You come from a very different background than me and we probably have different definitions of leader. We also talk about this with your core values. What does teamwork mean? I think it means something different to you and really explaining that and making sure that you have discussions about the definition of these words. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think it's taken for granted from, from most organizations. I certainly have done that in the past and not done a good job of defining these words, which are very important words. 
Yeah, I, I mean, and I, I'm I'm huge on on picking all those words apart. I mean, we, in our, in onboarding, we usually start with the word organization, and we explain what an organization is to us. And and uh, and I'm going to steal from uh, from Mark Horstman here uh, from uh, Manager Tools, but he gave the best definition of organization I ever heard, uh, which is that an organization exists to multiply the efforts of the individual. And so, you know, we start onboarding by explaining that the CEO or founder uh, owner of the company uh, has done every job that everybody in that room has done. You know, the, or, the founder had to be the first accountant because there wasn't one. The founder had to be the first operations manager because he didn't have one. He was the first salesperson because there was no sales team. So what does he need us for? He can do it all. Well, that's because an organization exists to multiply the efforts of that individual. Love I mean, that. so- yeah, once you understand that, you, you, you have a basis for everything that happens within that organization and you understand why it's important to set uh, a vision and then to rally around that because you're not multiplying everybody's uh, efforts, you're multiplying the effort of the one person or the, you know, however many people founded that company and set those values, you know, you're, you're, you're driving the bus, but, uh, but you're not the engine necessarily. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love that. And it's just keeping things simple. And, and, you know, even the word organization, that's another one that, that people have different definitions of what that even means. Results. There's all these words that we take for granted. Right. Uh, Michael, I also want to talk about, you know, you, you, um, you talked about using tech to drive results and obviously you've got a tech background too. And, and, that's been helpful for you, uh, driving results, you know, and, 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 um, you know, implementing technology within the culture. Tell us about that. Sure. So, you know, it's interesting, Uh, you know, I've been listening to, uh, you know, just about every podcast on on leadership. And and in fact, uh, just recently, I believe you had uh, Tanya Moore from uh, IBM on great episode, by the way. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, she was excellent. Yeah. And, uh, and I love hearing about, you know, um, IBM and, and I read all the, you know, all the books uh, on Google. Laszlo Bach has a fantastic uh, book about Google called Work Rules um, and, you know, Microsoft, all these companies. It's, it's fascinating to read about them and understand them. But, you know, in, in a sense, they're, they're the one percenters of business, right? You know, like 99% of companies have less than a thousand employees, you know, our, 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 annual gross revenue is less than their training budget for a quarter. So, yes. so we have to use technology to, uh, to forge forward and take advantage of things. And we use it and we use uh, the, the simplest technology possible to achieve our goals. Because again, you know, we're generally dealing with limited resources and, uh, and, and limited funds. So we use everything from uh, uh, group chat. Uh, one of the best things that, that we, um, that we implemented uh, at the, um, at the software mapping company uh, to kind of use them again as an example was, you know, they had a remote team that traveled across the country. Well, we put everybody in their own little Facebook group. And, uh, and we realized that uh, first of all, uh, it was a challenge to, to get ownership to agree to even do that because they were worried that employees were going to talk to each other. And so I had to convince them that. Uh, that was a good well, thing. Yeah. Well, not just it's a good thing, but you're you're crazy if you think they're not talking to each other already. They're right. just not using Facebook. At least now you have a site, <laughs> a lot right. of site right. to it. And if they're spending time talking to each other on your platform, you know that's time that they're not spending on other platforms uh, talking to each other. You know, to be a little bit more cynical about it. But 
the big advantage there was that we had all these people traveling across the country and uh, and nobody was encouraging them to do the, the simplest and, and funnest things, which is just take pictures of wherever you are, show me something cool from wherever you are. And, uh, and once they started doing that, uh, I mean, just amazing things happened. All of a sudden the camaraderie just shot through the roof and then it became our biggest and, and cheapest training platform. All of a sudden, when somebody had a question in Utah, they could say, hey, snap a picture. I've never seen this. Does anybody know what this is? And within five minutes, they'd have 30 answers. And all of a sudden, they're innovators. They're the innovation department. Uh, magical things happen because they have great insight into technology and ways to use it. And you have to start with understanding that employees are foremost adults. Um, and to, to kind of put that into perspective, you know, when I, when I teach leaders about this, I, you know, I kind of have to s set them back and cause you know, we, we hear this a lot, treat your employees like adults. And again, it's one of those phrases where it, it, it's become so pop culture centric that nobody really knows what it means. So I say, listen, your employees have somehow some way managed to make it this far in life without stepping in front of a bus. You know, they probably can handle a Microsoft word document. You can, you can just let that slide. <laughs> just trust them to do the basics. We're, you know, unless you're doing brain surgery or, or, or you know, dealing with chemicals, which most companies aren't, um, you know, you can pretty much leave it to them. They'll do it. They'll get it done. Again, you set them up for success. You teach them what success looks like. You teach them, you know, how to avoid, uh, you know, the biggest failures. They'll rise. I mean. Like, and there, there's some other outcomes. I, I actually, uh, I was speaking in front of a conference yesterday and talking about that, that shared collaboration, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, we use it in my real estate company through, we use Workplace, same, same thing, which yep. is owned by Facebook. I think it's owned by Facebook. Uh, yeah. Workplace. And I don't know there's Workplace and there's Workspace and you know, Google or Facebook. What are the other? <laughs> okay. Okay. I think we're Workplace, I believe. Yep. Uh, and so, you know, you have this real time, no matter where anyone is in the world, um, three things come out of that, right? I'm the, the, the organization is tapping into untapped potential, i.e., oh, wow, Ron had an issue and Michael had the answer. We didn't even know Michael knew the answer to that. You know, like that's interesting. And now, by the way, the second step is relationship. Now, I now will go to you, Michael, anytime I have an issue. Maybe that's a text, maybe it's off this platform, which is fine. I'm building a relationship with someone in a different country, office, uh, region. But the third thing, and we talk about this in, in, in uh, the book, Scaling Culture, which is coming out in the spring, is there's something about the learning process when you're in the flow of work, right? So, and, 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 and I think this is also missed for large corporations is, you know, you're, you're, you're an accountant, and then we pull you out of accounting to go take some leadership training. But you're not in the, you're in the flow of trying to close up the, the year end or whatever's going on. But to your example, you know, we need to encourage people when they're in the flow of trying to figure something out to, to figure that out. And then it's a safe place to do, to stop and say, oh, I'm going to go in the chat and figure this out real time right now. No different than we do at home. If you're trying to figure out how to cook a lasagna, you can't figure out and you're craving lasagna, you go on YouTube and watch how you make lasagna. You don't forget how to do it. Yeah, I think YouTube has become the world's biggest learning platform. <laughs> 100%. Everything. <laughs> but, you know, isn't it funny that we don't, and, you know, I brought this up with our team the other day and, and they isn't they even thought, wow, I, I just don't stop and, and YouTube or Google something when I when I have a problem. I, I just kind of and I don't know if it's because as leaders, maybe we haven't created the 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 
safe environment or it's just a, a, a habit thing. I'm not sure, but uh, I certainly think it's something to lean into. Um, one of the uh, highlights of, of my career was I got to work with uh, Cali Ressler and Jody Thompson, who, who basically uh, created what's known as the results only work environment. And they were kind of the early pioneers of what everybody now calls flex work or telework, or which, you know, they hate those phrases, but, um, but, you know, one of the things that, that uh, we talked about as we, you know, consulted around the country was getting people, uh, getting, you know, companies to understand that presenteeism is a real problem. The, you know, the idea that when you're a manager walking down your cubicle farm aisles and you see people busy at work, I mean, what you're really seeing is somebody quickly switching from ESPN to typing, you know, you, you assume- Solitaire. Yeah, exactly. You assume, or Minesweeper, yeah, <laughs> you assume that because you see them doing something that looks like work, well, they must be working. But it's it's unreasonable. It's even illogical to assume that somebody is working 10 hours a day every second of that time. So, you know, when you set uh, employees free, I think, and to, to kind of go back to the point, I think that's where that, that culture came from, where people are afraid to actually use the internet as a tool because they're so right. used to being, you know, jumped on for it. But uh, I think when you set them free to leverage all those things, uh, you know, again, magical things happen. And then, you know, there's a lot of fear out there because of course, when you open up a platform, yes, of course, somebody's going to put something inappropriate at some point. Somebody's going to say something. Two people are going to get into a public debate. That's, those things happen. But there comes a, another um, you know, leadership principle of mine, which is do not manage to the exception, you know, manage to the rule because the exceptions are the exceptions. They're the one in 1000. Why stranglehold the entire company because you had one person who didn't understand address code? Just, just address the problem right then and there and end it. You know, that way mm -hmm. there's no confusion. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Michael, anything else that we didn't talk about that, uh, that you, you th thought would be um, impactful today? Uh, I mean, I think we hit all the, uh, all, all the big highlights. I think, um, you know, that probably the, the, the biggest thing uh, that, you know, if I could share uh, would just be having that common language, you know, defining what words mean for, for, um, for your, you and your team. Uh, one that we didn't cover, which I think is also an important one is, is, is the word result. Uh, I think a lot of companies struggle with, you know, defining what a result, we all want results. Every company is results driven, but it, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty funny when you actually raise your head and say, uh, well, it, it, you know, excuse me, Mr. Manager, what is a result? And, you know, you will be, they'll, they'll look at you like a cow watching a passing train. Like they, they have no idea what you just said. What do you mean? What's a result? Everybody knows what a result is. So, you know, when I coach my team, I say, listen, this is what a result is. A result is a goal that exists in time and space. And both of those elements are important. Or, or you know, the easiest way to, to get your way to a, a result is just ask the question, who will do what by when? Mm. Or I like yeah, to use being specific example. about it. Is what yeah, very specific. Yeah. yeah, I like to use the example of a date. Uh, you know, when, uh, when you ask someone out on a date, it's one thing to say, hey, I'll meet you at Starbucks. Well, okay, you're giving me a place, but what time are we going to meet there? <laughs> well, I'll meet you at Starbucks at eight. Okay, well, now I have a time and a place. Is that 8 a.m. or 8 p.m.? Right. So, you know, the more specific you can deliver it, the more likely you are to get the, you know, mm -hmm. quote unquote result. So, uh, yeah, you have to be able to touch it and, and, to, and to measure it in time and space for it to be a result. Otherwise, it's, it's just a wish. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. 
Michael, thanks for joining us today. It's been an incredible conversation. I've got two pages of notes actually that that I, and so thank you. I personally thank you for for your your uh, your content. Excellent stuff. You obviously know what you're doing, and thanks again for coming on and sharing with everybody. It was my pleasure, and I, I thank you personally as well. I just finished uh, Outrageous Empowerment. I loved it. The the story about Little G, uh, I mean, just left me. Uh, just cracking up uh, almost to the point of tears myself. So uh, I just, uh, I really appreciated the, the, the candidness that, that you wrote with and, and just the, you know, the authenticity. So thank you as well. Well, thanks. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I actually took little G who's four now skiing yesterday <laughs> for the first time. And uh, she oh, is wow. a, she is a firecracker. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And, and look, we'll send you a copy of uh, which we're going to uh, quote you in, uh, especially on the financial piece. So you, you, you've, you've made it in the book, my friend, the Scaling <laughs> Culture book. So thank you for that. And uh, awesome. we're certainly thank adding you. it to, the, to our content. Thanks, Michael. And you take care of yourself and we'll be in touch. You too. Thanks. If you're enjoying the Scaling Culture podcast, please subscribe and share with someone in your life who might enjoy it as well. We'll be back next week with another incredible guest.